This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back to Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. I'm Alex Knight, in for Dave. There were a number of stories making headlines this weekend. Here to help break it all down is Michelle McQuig. Michelle is the weekend news editor with the Canadian Press. Hello, Michelle. Hello, Alex. How are you? I'm not too bad. How are you doing? Good. Just fine, thanks. Yeah, so we, as I said, there was there was a lot of stories that uh, kind of really captured headlines this weekend. But the first uh-huh. one to, to talk about today is regarding disgraced fashion mogul Peter Nygaard. He has been found guilty of sexual assault. What are the details here around his case and trial? Yes, he, he certainly was. Uh, so the, he this is the first of several trials that he's going to be facing. This one took place in Toronto and he was charged with six counts. There were five, there were ultimately five counts of sexual assault and one count of forcible confinement that were at issue in this trial. He was convicted yesterday after five days of deliberation from the jury. He was convicted on four of the sexual assault counts. He was acquitted on the fifth one and the forcible confinement charge. But uh, the fact remains that he still has four convictions now and he will quite likely be facing some jail time over this. And so what were some of the key moments from this trial? Um, it was a pretty harrowing trial. <laughs> Chatting with my, my colleagues who covered it, there were a lot of, of really uh, painful stories from, from complainants who took the stand uh, and, and told their stories. But there was a pattern that emerged, and that was part of the evidence that the Crown, part of the case that the Crown was making. Uh, the, the main highlights were that the five different women had all told similar stories about being asked to come to uh, Nygaard headquarters. Uh, this is the, the fashion empire that he once uh, owned. Um, they have the, the headquarters in Toronto, and all five women reported being asked to come down to headquarters on any reasons based, you know, from from job interviews to tours of the facilities to modeling opportunities, you name it. Um, all five women alleged that all these uh, pretexts to get them to the headquarters ultimately led them to a private suite that was locked and all ended in non-consensual sexual activity. Uh, obviously, we can we it's a bit tricky we, we we can't say conclusively because in one case there's still allegations because he was acquitted uh but obviously the jury bought that evidence there were also some really uh hard details to hear such as the fact that one of the complainants who came forward and told her story said that after her her encounter with Nygaard another woman who was present at the time slipped her an emergency contraceptive as she walked out the door uh so these were the sorts of accounts that were were coming forward from the victims and so what has the reaction been so far with the the news that he has been convicted of sexual assault? Yeah, well, uh, obviously the Crown is delighted. They're talking about justice being served. Uh, an interesting piece of reaction actually came from Peter Nygaard's son, Kai Nygaard. Uh, he has been a fairly prominent voice speaking out against his dad for a few years. Um, he, he has positioned himself as a whistleblower. Um, but he he was another one who was speaking yesterday and and celebrating the verdict and feeling that it was justice served. Um, on Peter Nygaard's side, his defense lawyer is Brian Greenspan, and uh, his comments were, were fairly routine. But the, he, they are considering whether or not to go ahead with an appeal is where they stand on that front. 
And then lastly, as, as the fact that he's he's been convicted, obviously the next step is a sentencing trial. Has, right. has that date been set yet, or are we still waiting for details on sentencing? No, uh, we have no details on sentencing yet. Uh, no dates, never mind any sense of what the sentence might be. Uh, I, I, and I must confess, I, I have not dug into the uh, the statutes to see what uh, convictions of four counts of sexual assault might yield in terms of jail time. But another really interesting component to watch on this particular file is just the fact that there are several other cases against mm -hmm. Peter Nygaard, all centering around similar types of allegations, sexual assault. Uh, he's got active cases in, in Manitoba and in Quebec and in the United States. Now, none of those cases have yet gone before the courts and none of the allegations have been tested. Uh, but this uh, this case might set a template for how things will proceed. So we'll leave that uh, news story there for now until there's more details to discuss. But let's move on to another, unfortunately, really uh, tough uh, a situation that's been unfolding yeah. in the wake of the Israel-Hamas war taking place, that there's been a rise in anti-Semitic attacks taking place in Montreal. What details do you have on this story, Michelle? Yeah, I should preface this by saying that there's been a rise in anti-Semitic attacks everywhere, not just in Montreal, but the most high-profile ones in Canada have been taking place in Montreal recently. Uh, last week, some of you may recall, uh, two synagogues got firebombed and a couple of Jewish schools were shot at over the course of the week. Uh, I regret to inform you that yesterday, one of those same Jewish schools was attacked for a second time in three days. Uh, there were more shots fired at it. There were bullets recovered at the scene. Fortunately, nobody was injured, uh, but this is uh, one of many such attacks that are going up. And we've seen this evidence of this all over the place. Uh, Toronto police is beefing up their hate crime unit because of a massive spike since October 7th when, when this particular war got underway. Um, lots of, a, a person was arrested over the weekend, a, a, an Ottawa man arrested near Toronto, allegedly for inciting hatred towards Jews. Uh, so th these are these are mounting incidents, and it's causing tremendous fear and anxiety within the Jewish community. And it's also, I feel, worth noting that there has also been a massive rise in um, anti-Islamic attacks as well. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, building on this tension over the weekend, I, I played a, a clip in the uh, the first segment, just highlighting some of the rallies and the marches that took place in. And mm -hmm. That one was from Toronto, but there were marches across the country. So uh, what were uh, some, like, what took place in uh, at these protests, these rallies uh, yesterday? Sure, yeah. I, I would urge everyone to read a piece by my colleague, Chris Reynolds, uh, assembled with help from my other colleague, Naira Ahmed, who was attending the rally in Toronto. Uh, so the, the two big ones were, A, was it one was a one for Coalition for Ceasefire Now. Uh, this was a pro-Palestinian rally that took place in 50 cities across the country. So I'm not sure about the turnout everywhere, but certainly in Toronto and in Montreal, it drew thousands of people. And it was taking place in everywhere from Cornerbrook, Newfoundland up to Yellowknife. So there were tons of protests all organized by the same group uh, calling for a ceasefire and asking for the ceasing of hostilities in the Middle East. Um, and on the other side of the conflict, we had a, a very, very big rally yesterday supporting Israel at Christie Pitts, which, of course, is a very significant historical site for the Jewish community, uh, scene of a riot in 1933 when they were combating anti-Semitism. And some of the comments coming out of that riot, or excuse me, some of the rally yesterday, were, uh, were talking about how they feel like they're turning back the clock uh, 90 years ago to, to where they stood now based on the, what we were talking about before, the spike in anti-Semitic violence. So that, riot, that rally, gosh, i got to stop doing it. 
Um, but yesterday's rally at Christie Pitts in support of Israel was was focused primarily on calling for the release of the 240 plus hostages who are still detained by Hamas in the Gaza Strip. Well, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot more developments on on the stories, these conflicts, and unfortunately, I'm sure there's going to be more news reports on uh, on uh, hate attacks as as the week goes on. Uh, but we will leave uh, this story here for now, Michelle. Thank you so much for taking time. It's the end of your week. Go home, enjoy your your, your weekend, so to speak, and uh, we'll Thank check you. in with you on Friday, and hopefully with with some some lighter and, and happier yeah, news I'll for that. Try to be a bit less of a downer for everyone yeah, on exactly. Friday on the panel. Have a good <laughs> day, have Michelle. Have a good week, Alex. Yeah, take, take care. care. That was Michelle McQuaig, who is the weekend news editor with the Canadian Press. Coming up after the break, where do you rank reasonable accommodation as an indicator of a company's inclusive culture? Denis Boudreaux weighs in with his thoughts. You're watching Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor.